0: This is an American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host Chad Hopkins. How you doing, Chad?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, it it kind of sucks that we've had the little bit of absence that we didn't plan, but uh, I'll take the the blame for that one. <laughs> uh, so, what happened, to everybody who didn't doesn't follow us on Twitter? Uh, I was dog sitting last week and. We had every intention of recording while I was there and I did all my prep and we sat down to get ready to record. And then I realized I brought everything except the microphone cord, you know, like the thing that makes the microphone work. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is the second time it's happened. I I need to like come up with a travel checklist or something (laughs) so that everything I use in my normal setup, I take with me and it doesn't (laughs) happen again, but it happened and it's okay. We're back. Hope everybody had a good holiday.
0: Yeah. So a little bit of housekeeping. We have a new Apple podcast review, too, from Vernon Hills Folks and from AC976767. <laughs> so thank you both for your uh, for your reviews. We also have some emails from Deb, Indra, Joe, and Dallin, and Facebook recommendations from Steve and Ron.
1: And that's it. Let's go ahead and get into our episode.
0: Yeah. So first is Get the Girl. It aired March 15th, 2012, directed by Rain Wilson and written by Charlie Grandy.
1: Andy has left for Florida to try and bring Aaron back to Scranton, and in his absence, Nellie Bertram has arrived from Florida and attempts to take his job. Who will be successful?
0: Nellie is now employed at the Scranton branch, as you said, and uh, Jim, who was working with her in Florida, and Dwight, who was working with her in Florida, are not thrilled to see her there. Uh, Dwight says, how could Robert transfer Nellie here after the Sabre store debacle? She stinks of failure. The fact that she could show her face around here is an embarrassment. I should know I'm in an identical situation. So they're not thrilled. They weren't impressed with her really, or specifically Jim was not really impressed with her, uh, in Florida. Dwight had a bit of a different experience with Nellie, but nevertheless, she's here. And, uh, when Nellie comes in, she sees that the manager seat is open and she sits down and it looks like she does not want to, uh, to give that seat up
1: yeah she says her whole philosophy is or one of her philosophies is if the seat is open the job is open she said that's how she briefly came to really race a formula one car (laughs) um you know everybody's confused by this like how can somebody just walk in somebody who we don't know just walk in claim a desk and stay at the desk and claim the job too Uh, and robert won't do anything about it he says sometimes the flowers arrange themselves jim and everyone just sort of stares at him because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and she starts calling conference room meetings. I, I just have to wonder, like, why won't Robert do anything about this? I mean, we get a little bit more insight into this as the episode goes on. Uh, I mean, But he's the CEO. That's That's not a small role. Nellie is a difficult person, but he's still the boss. And it becomes clear why he does yield to her and doesn't try and remove her from office.
0: Right. And at first, anyway, it's very unclear, and he's just sort of rolling over and and letting her do whatever she wants. And there is, in fact, a manager. He's not there currently, and unfortunately, he did not tell Robert where he would be, Uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. So yeah, as you said, Nellie starts holding conference room meetings, and she tells them that she is their new manager. And when Pam asks Robert if this is true, he refuses to answer. He just says, This is an odd situation, but it's very interesting how it's playing out. Okay, well, that was nothing. Um, <laughs> and Nellie, who has been here for like five minutes, is immediately offended that she's not being treated with more respect. She decides that she's going to give everyone performance reviews the people that she doesn't know, and uh, yeah. So Jim urges everyone not to go in for these reviews, because if they did, they're acknowledging Nellie as their new manager, which she's not. So Phyllis, who is called in first, declines to go in, but Nellie, understanding that Phyllis is kind of skeptical about this whole thing, wants to show her how these performance reviews will be conducted. So she calls up Dwight, and when Dwight declines, she follows up with the fact that Dwight will be getting a raise. And so Phyllis agrees to go in for her, for her review, too. And uh, Nellie just starts giving out raises to everybody, which, again... Can she actually be doing this? We don't know. She just starts doing it.
1: Yeah, this is the biggest question mark on the scenario. Um, First off, Jim and Dwight are in agreement that Nellie would be awful as their boss. They say, when was the last time Dwight and I agreed on anything ever? And so, I mean, that's a pretty compelling argument to me if I was somebody else in the office. But then she starts offering raises. Uh, Robert says, Andy isn't here like I asked him to be. And Nellie saw a vacuum and she filled it. And he says there's one person in charge of every office in America and that person is Charles Darwin. In the end, doesn't he decide who the manager is? So what he's saying is that it's survival of the fittest and Nellie is the one surviving his manager right now. But the real test is whether he'll accept the raises she's just handing out to everyone because that's a lot of money. And he as CEO has to account for it and it is random But it's worth pointing out, he still refers to Joe Bennett as his boss, so it makes me wonder if she's still on like the board of directors or something in some capacity, Right. maybe even the head of the board of directors. But uh, anyways, I just thought that was worth pointing out that, one, somebody has to honor these raises for them to be real, and so it'll be interesting to see if anybody does. And two, Joe is apparently still Robert's boss in some capacity.
0: So when it's Pam's turn for review, Nellie starts... Out by asking Pam what is it that she wants, and Pam tells her that smartly she wants consistency from a manager, and Nellie tells her that's not really what you want; you want a good night's sleep, busy working mother of two, and Pam is at first a little bit offended, and when Nellie insists that Pam take a nap in her or Andy's office, unsure, Pam kind of declines, and then Nellie pulls out a blanket and pillow, which mind you, Nellie has already used today. She says on her first day as not manager, she has already taken a nap. But when Pam sees these, she really can't deny that she's exhausted and she complies and she takes a nap. And Nellie tells her that when she wakes up, she'll earn more money. Like, (laughs) all right, she's a she's a fairy. I mean, as she says later, like she's just granting all these wishes. And and Pam kind of hates that she likes what's going on.
1: She's revealing strengths that we really didn't know that Nellie had up to now. She's assertive. She's persistent. She's kind of bewitching in a certain sense. I mean, it really is amazing what she accomplishes, uh, especially in regards to like winning over Pam and even winning over Dwight to a certain extent. Dwight almost got fired because of her, and yet she still managed to sort of win him over in the promise of a raise. She, she finds a way to appeal exactly to what everybody would like most, now, uh, most at the moment, including Pam's desire to just get a little bit more rest away from her children. Uh, so she does a very good job with that. So Nellie's arc of this episode ends with a final sort of talking head voiceover. She says, I grew up poor. I had little formal education, no real skills. I don't work especially hard. And most of my ideas are either unoriginal or total crap. And yet I walked right into a job for which I was ill-prepared, ill-suited, and somebody else already had. And I got it. If you ask me, that's the American dream right there. Anything can happen to anyone. It's just random. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's the, That's the takeaway here is everything's just random.
0: Yeah, so Nellie is very domineering. She takes what she wants and so far it's been working for her. If that's how she runs her life, I mean, if this is an example of, of what her life is like, then this method of business is it's working. I mean, she's been manager for a day and the CEO who is there has not kicked her out. So super interesting to see where, where this is going to go, especially once Andy turns back up. But speaking of Andy, he is in Florida and arrives at Aaron's doorstep. Of course, Aaron is with Irene, uh, the old lady who she met at the Sabre store opening. And Andy arrives at Aaron's doorstep in a literal package, in a box, and bursts out with flowers and starts singing and is his bold Andy self. And he tells her that, she, that he's in love with her and he wants to take her back to Scranton and she turns him down. She says that she is not coming back with him. And that she's moving on and she has this life now in Florida. She's fallen into a job and a home. And Andy's kind of heartbroken, but he hangs out at Irene's house and spends time with Aaron and Irene and Irene's grandson. So it's sort of a weird, awkward fourth wheel situation.
1: I love a couple of things about this storyline in this episode. Uh, First, Andy drove down to Florida using only his heart as a map, he says. Uh, He didn't use directions. He just drove south until he hit ocean. Um, and then he learned Tallahassee's 200 miles inland, but he said, not bad for a heart map. Right. But then this is really what it gets into. He shows up and he is direct with Aaron for the first time. Honestly, uh, we, there was so much hemming and hawing in their relationship previously. And here he says, I love you. And I want to be with you. Good for you. Like, that's Mm -hmm. awesome for him. However, he hasn't quite broken up with Jessica. He says, Uh, oops. (laughs) But I I do feel like his impulsiveness and haste in getting to Aaron is admirable. Um, When he first says that to Aaron, Irene and her grandson are watching nearby. Uh, She says, I don't know. (laughs) They're having a conversation. Irene says, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's not that handsome. And it sort of played for laughs. But I like how even after the short after the short amount of time, Irene is looking after Aaron. It's only been like, a few days, honestly, she's speaking up for her and she's trying to force Andy away when she thinks he's only going to hurt her. And it's also fantastic that as the episode progresses, Irene starts to see Andy is more than who she first thought. She she sees that he's willing to lose his job to get her because he, he sort of hangs up on a couple calls. He, he shirks aside work responsibility, ignoring the situation with Nellie because he's trying to focus on Aaron. And so she, Irene sees how much he likes her and how much Aaron likes him, even though she's not saying it yet. And even though Aaron is being helpful around the house for her, uh, Irene eventually tells Aaron, you know, the right choice is to go and to be happy with Andy. He he likes you. You like him. Don't ignore it.
0: As direct as Andy is being to Aaron, finally, she is also direct back. Uh, this is, I think, the most honest that they've ever been with each other in a harsh, real not harsh, but in a very direct way. They, they're they finally telling each other what they're feeling. And Aaron, at first, it, it it is no. And she says that. She says, look, you broke my heart, and we're not meant to be together. And that she's finally come to terms with that. And he tells her that he's sorry that they have not loved each other at the same time. It's very mature, finally, for these two people that just have been I mean, for so many episodes, you and I, and Chad, have said, oh, just do something. Oh, <laughs> right. my gosh.
1: That scene is fantastic. Yeah. like It is so good because Aaron says, you know, I did love you, but you broke my heart. And he says, well, you broke my heart, too. And she says, well, you broke mine more recently and more often. Yeah. And the best part about it is Andy doesn't, like, get upset. He doesn't fight it. He just apologizes that they haven't loved each other at the same time. They hug and he's gone. And you know Andy knows what it feels like to have your heart broken all too well. He also knows that these things can't be forced, and so it's really mature of him to accept Aaron's decision and to leave. He doesn't try and convince her otherwise or do one of his big Andy stunts, trying to to show how much he cares. This whole trip down was the gesture, and her turning it down. It was just it was great of him to leave.
0: Mm -hmm. That was appropriate, and he got his no okay, that sucks, but thank you. And he got in the car and he started to leave. But it was at that time that Irene tells Aaron, look, no, I think you guys are right together. And Aaron trusts Irene and uh, runs after the car and tells him to stop and tells him that, no, I do love you and I think we should get this shot. So they kiss in the middle of the intersection and that's where we leave them for this episode.
1: Yeah, it's really sweet. I like that. Okay, just a few more small things before we move on to the funny stuff. Toby first introduces himself to Nelly as Tony. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to gain. It sort of reminds me when Andy came back from anger management and he tried to reinvent himself as Drew. I don't know if uh, Tony is that much better than Toby as far as names go. Uh, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Toby or Tony, I should say, is into Nelly.
0: Yeah, possibly. He's he's also looking a little bit different. He's wearing these glasses, and I don't know. He's, he's Tone... Toby 2.0? Tony 2.0? I don't know. He's, he's dressing up a little bit. So moving into funny moments, our cold open. Pam receives a phone call, and it sounds pretty urgent, so she stands up and shouts at the office that the balloon is falling. <laughs> and everyone rushes down to the warehouse to watch a balloon that's been floating on the ceiling for a very long time slowly start to fall down. And it becomes rather sentimental when people start remembering what their lives were like when the balloon first was released there. And Oscar remembers that he was still with Gil, remember Gil, and and they were so happy. And Kevin swears he had hair like Rapunzel. Uh, But Ryan doesn't think it's been up there that long, (laughs) because surely Kevin didn't have hair like Rapunzel. Dwight, uh, his his Warcraft clan was still on speaking terms, and Meredith's kid didn't have a face tattoo. which. Yikes! I, we we've seen him in the past, and he didn't have a face tattoo then, so stuff must have gone down. Daryl was still thinking of going back to school, which we remember, and Jim, he says, was still just a paper salesman, and the mood has turned dark by the time the balloon hits the ground. But it's quickly turned back around when Daryl hops on the forklift to smash the balloon, and they start chanting and cheering. And <laughs> oh, forget the dark, we're fine. Let's <laughs> let's smash the balloon. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's great how sentimental it gets and how sort of doubt everybody gets until uh, it's time to kill the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have to ask, when Jim says he was just a paper salesman, is he implying that he's gotten promoted since? Or do you think it's more of an existential kind of statement in that he was only a salesman, but now he's also a husband and a father?
0: I thought it was more like sort of self, uh, what's the word? Uh. Like, punishing himself, like, and I'm still just a paper salesman. Like, nothing's changed. Oh, gotcha. You know? So almost like an irony, like,
1: I was just a paper salesman, and I'm still just a paper salesman? Yeah,
0: that's how I took it.
1: Oh, interesting. Like,
0: I was just a paper salesman, and, you know, and here we still are. Probably only from the way he said it, I took it like that. But it could mean now he's, you know, happy with the family. But that's not, for whatever reason, how uh, how I interpreted that. What'd you get?
1: Well, like I said, I, I think it was more like back then I wasn't with mm, Pam. Yeah, I was yeah. only pining after her. But now I'm with her. I have kids with her. This has turned into more than just a job. It's turned into my family sure. in a certain certain way. Yeah. Anyways, back to funny stuff. Uh, when <laughs> Nellie first shows up, um, Jim asks, what brings you to town? She says, certainly not the Harry Houdini Museum. What a nobody oh, look, some Hungarian just found their way out of a sack. Let's build a shrine. <laughs> I didn't take this for much the first, I mean, when I first w- saw this episode, but I looked it up and there's actually a Harry H- Houdini Museum in Scranton, which yeah. is like the most random thing. Apparently he did have some association with the town back in the early 1900s when he was around, but I was just like, wow, that that's just such a random connection that I never would have thought of because i mean i was into harry houdini as a kid i think a lot of young kids are because magic and anyways it was just like super random for me
0: i love this scene with aaron irene finds the package that andy is in of course it's not open but she says aaron you have a package and aaron shouts from the bathroom i'm in the bathroom when she comes out irene says did you wash your hands and aaron just looks at the camera yes (laughs) she clearly has not
1: (laughs) Nellie, uh, in the conference room meeting that she calls, says to Kevin, I'm very good at intuiting names. Is it Chumbo? And everybody just sort of sits in stunned silence. Like, does she really say that? <laughs> and Jim says to the Talking Head, I think it's a cross between Dumbo and Jumbo with a hint of chubby. It's not a name. Chumbo. <laughs> chumbo
0: i have so many aaron and irene ones like it's
1: yeah. yeah uh
0: aaron we've we've already seen her use the gatorade as tea or is that in this episode or is that that, that
1: was the previous episode
0: okay yes we've already seen aaron use gatorade as tea but now she's gotten really good at making hot dogs according to glenn irene's grandson but it's only because she's been reusing the hot dog water so it gets more flavor and she says it's only going to keep getting better and this leads to several questions she has only been at this house for maybe a week how many times have they had hot dogs (laughs) yeah i think it's the only thing that she can make and also (laughs) (laughs) ooh.
1: yeah i won't hate on the the boiling hot dogs to cook them because i mean i've definitely done that but the the reusing the water is definitely no thanks No thanks (laughs) when nelly announces that she's going to be giving performance reviews and she says you know smiling leaves a good first impression uh creed we see him he's just like grinding grinning super big and creepily (laughs) he's just super ear to ear grin uh then slightly after jen asks hey dwight should she be our manager dwight says i wouldn't let her manage a celery farm (laughs) and he has a talking head he says those who can't farm farm celery
0: (laughs) oh of course he didn't know this There's this great Robert California scene. Um, It's the sex and nature metaphor. Uh, you, You finished up the quote earlier with the Charles Darwin is the head of the office, you know. But it starts out with Robert asking Jim if he would like a nature metaphor or a sexual metaphor. And Jim says, oh, God, nature, please. Robert says, when two animals are having sex, one of them is communicating a message to the other. Nothing is, um, this isn't very helpful. You're going to want to hear the sexual metaphor. Jim says, was that not the sexual metaphor? Robert says, all life is sex and all sex is competition. And there are no rules to that game. That wasn't so perverted, now was it? Jim says, oh, no, that, that wasn't that bad. And then Robert finishes up with the quote you mentioned. And it's just (laughs) like, even his nature metaphors are about sex. Yeah.
1: You're going to want to hear the sexual matter. <laughs> are, we, are we going to want to? <laughs> when Nellie gives Dwight's performance review in front of everybody, she says, Dwight, you carry this company on your massive shoulders. You are Atlas. And for that, do you not think you deserve a raise? He says, there's no limit to what I think I deserve. <laughs> she says, then you accept it? Dwight says, 5%, no less. Absolutely not. 7%. 6%. I know my worth. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that negotiation. And uh, uh, there's no limit to what I think I deserve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then, in the spirit of taking things you want, like Nellie did, Dwight storms into Daryl's office and demands that Daryl leave because this is my office now. Dwight says, Yep, too late. I'm here. I've taken it. And Daryl just grabs him by the hair and just physically removes him from the office. And then Dwight approaches Creed's desk to, you know, seize his desk. And Creed, without even looking up, says, Touch me and I'll sue. So apparently, really, it's only Nellie that can just take.
1: Well, I think Creed was at Dwight's desk, right? So Dwight went to go oh, claim did I totally miss that? And Creed went to Dwight's. I, I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh. Yeah, I, so, for some reason, totally missed that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, that, that was the even funnier part, was oh. tried to cla- or Dwight tried to claim Daryl's desk, and he kicked him out. And so he went back to his desk, accepting the results, and Creed had taken it, and so he <laughs> said, if, if you touch me, I'm suing. Got you. Yep. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense
0: you <laughs> ah, still learn things
1: yeah <laughs> robert uh jim has confronted him he says are you aware that Nellie is giving out raises and robert says let me guess you want one to take the family into disney town and jim just says land world uh, that's not what he's <laughs> <It's> like anyways <laughs> it's not one of them <laughs> it's not one of those you had two options and you blew it
0: when Jim is telling everyone that they shouldn't do the performance reviews, because if they do, they're accepting Nellie as manager. And Jim says, trust me, you do not want to work for her. And Angela says, trust you, the way Pam trusted you to provide for her so she wouldn't have to work, which, as far as we know, is not a conversation that they've had. And Pam just quietly says, I like working here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is, is the senator not not providing for right. you so that you don't have to work and stay home?
0: Capital T, capital S. <laughs> the
1: senator yeah when irene has told erin to go go with uh, andy she says irene what would you do without me irene says we're not your concern sweetheart besides glenn's going to sue home depot erin <laughs> says why <laughs> irene says he got his foreskin caught in some lawn furniture <laughs>
0: I do not want to know. How that. I
1: don't either. But it is just like she says it so flippantly like it's not it's not a big deal, but we're going to sue Home Depot over it.
0: <laughs> don't worry, but we're going to be OK.
1: Yeah.
0: When Aaron does go with Andy, they're about to get in the car and drive off. And Andy says, no, wait, we have to go back and get your stuff. And Aaron says, no, I, I don't have any stuff. And he's like, well, you know, your toothbrush and your stuff. Aaron says, I don't have a toothbrush. You don't have a toothbrush. How do you not have a toothbrush? And Aaron just says, there's just always one around. And Andy says. You just use whatever toothbrush is sitting there? And she goes, I always find one. How Have you ever heard of buying a toothbrush? And he says, of course, I own my toothbrush.
1: Oh my goodness, Um Aaron. Yikes,
0: that's awful. That's no good. No, no thanks. Don't like that.
1: <laughs> Nellie is trying to win over Jim. She's la- He's the last one in the office she has not won over. She comes out and says, I'm Tinkerbell, and... I'm a magical fairy who floated into your office to bring a little bit of magic into your lives, to give you all raises. Stanley says, and we are grateful. <laughs> Nellie says, but here's the thing about Tinkerbell, Jim, everyone has to believe in her or she doesn't exist. Jim says, she dies. Nellie says, she dies. Now who here believes in Tinkerbell? And everybody starts clapping, and Kevin like looks like he's crying. <laughs> like, we, we can't let Tinkerbell yeah. die. Come on, Jim, you're killing her. <laughs>
0: Uh, Maybe my last one, I just love how much Irene hates Andy, at least at the start, because she's just so protective of Aaron, and I also think she just has this weird bias towards Andy, like she just hates him, Mm -hmm. and uh, you mentioned the one, oh, maybe it's because he's not that handsome, and then randomly later she said, so Andrew, like his trouble name, it's not Andy, it's Andrew, so Andrew, how does your skinny brunette girlfriend Jessica feel about you visiting your ex-girlfriend? And then when Andy's phone rings, Irene says, you should take it. It's probably your girlfriend wondering where you are. She's just <laughs> like, she does not give him a break. And I love that.
1: My last one is Nellie has taken Andy's nameplate on his desk and has converted it into her own. Um, it's, it's Andy's, but she has put Nellie over Andy and Trum over nard leaving the stenciled on burr so you have nelly in a different font and you have trim in a different font but the ber from bernard stays the ber from bertram (laughs) which is just really great it's just uh you could have just done the whole thing over and it would look uniform but why should why would she do that
0: we have several deleted scenes starting with uh erin in florida discusses her new living situation she says the house has five rooms, not including the roof or the garage, which, you know, you don't count.
1: No.
0: It takes her most of the day to clean the house. She says, Oh, I'm a maid now, like on Downtown Abbey. <laughs> she introduces us to Irene, the world's best boss slash roommate slash cantankerous old coot, which is a bird. She says that Irene has given her everything a job, a home. Irene adds, A suitor. Uh, so, as I suspected, Glenn, Irene's grandson, was meant for her. Uh, this was a, a match making and Glenn is odd.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. We 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 met him previously in a deleted scene for like the last episode or maybe the episode before, and he seemed pretty normal. But now we're we're learning that he's not all that normal. In the next deleted scene, Jim is wondering if Robert has kicked Nellie out of Andy's office yet. And he says, Has she even come out at all? Dry says wants her a bagel and wants to void it. Okay, thanks for that. Jim asks if anyone's heard from Andy. Daryl says he's not answering his calls, and his Facebook status says, pumped for Wednesday, but today's Thursday. <laughs> Ryan says, you know, I hate to bring it up, but has anyone checked the morgue? And then he and Oscar argue over whether checking the morgue is a real thing for anyone but a policeman. And Ryan says, fine, fine, check the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> As if he would so quickly have been de- died, buried, and then placed in the ground. Uh, With a headstone,
0: Phyllis asks what Nellie is like, and Dwight tells her that she's a classic case of failing upwards, the same way that cantaloupe got popular. Agreed. I mean, fair, fair.
1: Uh, Not a fan. Not a fan.
0: No. And Phyllis (laughs) decides that she's going to text Andy and and asks Ryan to put her phone in text mode. (laughs) And then there's a weird standoff between Nellie and Robert, where Robert just immediately backs down because, again that he can't handle Nellie. He's just going to let her do whatever she wants.
1: Right. So it shows that Nellie uh, called the conference room meeting, but it's because of Robert that everybody actually gathered because mm. he yielded to her and called everybody in for her. Giving a tour of the house, Irene shows Andy where she keeps her spices, cumin, saffron, paprika. You know, she bought everything that she needs to make a paella. Aaron tells Andy she means papaya. Irene <laughs> says, no, I mean paella. Glenn speaks up and says, oh, great. The maid has a visitor. I wonder if he'll use my exercise bike, too. (laughs) And this scene kind of goes on. Andy starts telling Aaron, you know, this isn't what I expected, especially after driving all night. And she apologizes. She says, you know, you must be tired. He says, no, I had a 12-pack of an energy drink called Up Yours, which has a picture of a hyena giving you the finger on the can. And he says, you know, I know it's awkward, but can I stay for lunch as a friend? So this is after the confrontation. Aaron says. Well, I'll have to boil another hot dog, but okay.
0: <laughs> and then Andy tells the camera that he's not going to give up very easily. He says if a long drive was all it took to win over a girl, then truck drivers would be married to supermodels. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then at lunch, we see Aaron cutting up Glenn's hot dog for him. We should specify that Glenn is Aaron's age-ish. I mean, <laughs> late 20s, early 30s, like, they're, you know, adults. And then in the awkward silence, Andy tells Irene that he loves her house. She says, "Okay." (laughs) And when he pushes it, she says, well, if you really like it, everything is for sale on eBay. And that she'll send him a link. (laughs) I don't know why she's trying to get rid of all of her stuff, but she is.
1: And he asks Glenn how he met Aaron. He says he just came home one day and there she was. (laughs) Aaron says Glenn said he might take her to a Florida State football game. He says, I didn't say football. I hope you like women's lacrosse. And Glenn says, can I have something to read? Because I'm I'm really not feeling this conversation. And so Andy hands him a map of South Carolina that he had in his pocket. Glenn opens it and says, oh, crap. Charleston's not the capital. And he says, yeah, it's Columbia. By the way, Aaron is an expert on state capitals. What's the capital of Texas? She says, the Alamo. She's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, (laughs) Irene corrects her. She says, it's Austin. And it's got a wonderful music scene. And that's when she asks Andy the question from the episode about a skinny brunette girlfriend, Jessica. But in this one, he has a talking head. He says, Irene knows about Jessica, which means that Aaron has been talking about me a lot. Does that sound like someone who's moved on? Irene then calls from the screen door if he wants dessert or if he's still doing a South Beach diet. He says to the camera that he never told her he was doing South Beach. So it is kind of sweet that Aaron talks so much about Andy to the point that Irene knows a lot of not common details about him.
0: I also like that Andy doesn't, doubt aaron if she says that the capital is the alamo then the capital is the alamo like there's yeah. he's like no she's really good at this <laughs> so he just trusts her <laughs> which is nice even if she's wrong meredith is in her performance review and immediately says that she'll take the severance package like that's she doesn't even wait for nelly <laughs> Nellie says no no no, i'm offering you a raise and meredith thrilled because the first thing that she's going to do with her raise is to get nelly laid what kind of Indian or Native American guy does Nellie like? Cherokee, Navajo, Pequot, or is it the Plains Indians? The Sioux, Comanche, Dakota? And I feel like Nellie has finally met her match in, in weirdness. She doesn't have anything to say to Meredith at this point.
1: Um, Nate. We get a Nate deleted scene. Bless us. Yes. Uh, he, he's cleaning the outside of Nellie's office window, and she knocks and yells that he should be paid more. And he doesn't hear her the first time. He doesn't technically have a hearing problem, but uh, he doesn't hear her this time. (laughs) So she repeats it. And he says, I should? What time?
0: (laughs) Oh, love him. Next is Daryl's review. And she's trying to get him to say, I am amazing. And he won't. So Robert steps into the office and asks Nellie if he can get her a coffee. Daryl says, well, he would love a coffee. Nellie declines and Robert just happens to notice the time and oops, I really shouldn't be having coffee at this hour. So now that he's left, Nellie tries again and Deller and Daryl tells her that he's amazing. Uh, and then there's a Daryl talking head. Did you see that? Canceled the coffee run just because she wasn't interested. That's not Darwin. That's Don Juan. This thing is over. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's clearly interested.
1: And in the last deleted scene: Jim and Pam are in Daryl's office, and they say it's up to them. And Pam says, "You know, I can't believe that we're the only ones in the office wanting to stand up for Andy." And then Kevin knocks on the window and says, "Do you like apples? Because I just got a raise. How do you like them raises?"
0: <laughs> Not the same.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, let's. Uh, what's the d- the discussion topic for us, Katie?
0: Okay, so you're an employee at the office, and Andy has not showed up one day, and Nelly walks in and takes a seat. What do you do? She's offering you a raise and you have no reason to show your loyalty to her, but she offers you a raise and Robert seems to recognize her authority, or at least doesn't really question it. Do you take it? Like, what do you do?
1: (laughs) I don't know. That's a really, like...
0: Like, that's the whole question of the episode, but...
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I would kind of like to say I just, like, leave honestly like <laughs> i i i feel like i would have been more loyal to andy like jim and pam tried to be i i don't know i just feel like if somebody came in and tried to exhibit authority over me and i didn't feel like they deserved it then or not even if they didn't deserve it like she has no authority like period right i don't know if i leave or if i just like sit quietly and do my work and not acknowledge any of the nonsense that's happening
0: yeah it's tricky because I, I I tried to think. Okay, in my job, if my mm-hmm. boss, you know, wasn't there and somebody else stepped in and started bossing me around, and my other bosses didn't say anything and they just sort of played along, I guess I would be like, oh, I guess this person's real, and I I think I might do what they said. I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Especially if it, they start it, throwing money weird. at you. I. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I maybe if other people got raises and the raises were actually honored. Right. And I'd be like, okay, let's go suck up to the boss now. Yeah. The new boss.
0: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uncomfortable. All right. Okay. Uh, next episode. Let's talk about that one.
1: Okay. Next episode is welcome party. It aired on April 12th of 2012. It was directed by Ed Helm. So we have two episodes here that are directed by members of the cast. The first one was what? Rain Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was Rain Wilson, and this one is Ed Helms, who is, of course, Andy. And it was written by Steve Healy.
0: While Andy is still in Florida, Nellie is still whatever her job is and is grating the nerves of the office. Robert California demands that she be thrown a welcome party, but as retaliation, the party planning committee decides to throw Nellie a prank party filled with mediocrity and some of Nellie's least favorite things. While helping Nellie unpack, though, Jim grows a soft spot for her and tries to steer the party planning committee away from this idea before her feelings get hurt.
1: Okay, I have a lot of problems with what happens in this episode, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we go. Uh, Starting off, Pam is taking her time at the start of the workday. She's watching a video, she's drinking coffee, and Robert walks in and he sort of chastises her. She says, I was warming up. And he says, you should arrive at work already warm. Absolutely true. That's called time theft. We actually talked about it in a previous episode. But then Nellie shows up nearly an hour late. Like she shows up an hour late. At least Pam was there, if even if she wasn't working. And Nellie tells a story about you know she hit the snooze several times, and he just sort of laughs it off, like "Oh, not a big deal." Says I never, I've never believed willpower was very important in a woman. Okay, Robert, whatever. Uh, She says some really offensive things, so she's starting to, I wouldn't say show her true colors, but reveal more about herself, uh, that the people didn't see in the last episode, uh, after she was trying to suck up to everybody and get their approval. So she says offensive things about Irish people, about quote, the natives, uh, some other stereotypical stuff. And then Robert asserts to everybody else trying to defend her. She's just under a lot of stress from, from moving, from the work situation she's found herself in. he has Jim and Dwight take the day, to go help her move. I don't know if that means like paid leave or if they're just like taking a day off and not getting paid for it. Um, And then he tells everybody else that at the end of the day, we're going to throw a party to celebrate Nellie's arrival. And it's clear at this point, we, we sort of alluded to it in the last episode, but it's clear at this point that Robert has some sort of affection or attraction to Nellie, but the others are very clearly annoyed at this point.
0: While she's away, Phyllis jokes that Nellie is so awful, she wants to throw an awful party on purpose. And the idea kind of catches on. It's popular. Angela suggests that they throw a party in the break room rather than the conference room. And Phyllis says, let's order carrot cake. And, and, and they just start riffing on these bad ideas uh, to just make a really mediocre party. But Jim, while he is is helping Nellie unpack, learns something about Nellie that she hates magicians. So, oh, great. Let's, let's add the fuel to the fire. He calls Pam and... and, and tells her to hire one so they keep planning this party and then while they're helping nelly unpack jim and dwight find this shoebox. on it it says "Nellie, don't open stupid love nelly and so of course they open it and it's full of pictures of her and an ex-boyfriend named henry and the box is named benjamin <laughs> that's what nelly tells them yes that's that's <laughs> that's henry and and the box benjamin but she's very emotional about this this guy it was a very long-term relationship and he left without any warning, uh, and he left her for the waitress at their favorite restaurant. Oh, and it turns out this guy was a magician. So, oops, Jim has now done something that's actually going to hurt Melly. Uh, she hates all magicians now because of this guy. And so he tries to kind of stop this party from happening, just make it a regular party. And Pam, trusting Jim, tries to, to get these people to to back off the idea but they love it they love this idea and and uh, she doesn't have much luck
1: yeah this whole thing bothers me I, I mean i like to consider myself a nice guy and i can't imagine trying to throw a bad party on purpose just because the person who's the recipient of the party is a little bit annoying or a little bit of one thing or another like i it, it really bothers me that I mean, I get it. They're upset and she's rude and she took over Andy's job, but it's just really bad to be really bad to people on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's it's personal offense, like they're intending personal offense towards Nellie versus Nellie's just sort of general offense. I'm not saying that excuses it, but at least she's not directing it at any specific person like they're trying to do with this party. They've, they've so turned on her since last episode. I mean, it would have only been a few days ago at the most. Um, They were so happy that she was handing out raises. She was giving them more money. She was treating them really well, but now they don't want anything to do with her. Um, Do you think that they found out that she, that the raises she was giving out weren't real? Like, do you, do we think that Robert was just like, yeah, I can't actually give these out no matter what I feel about Nellie? Or did they just finally see what she's like as a person and as a worker?
0: I want to say the latter, and for reasons that in an episode or two, for things that happen in that episode, I don't think it's it's the rays thing, and we'll get into that I guess next episode, next of, of our episodes. But I think it's more that, like the monologue we saw at the beginning of this episode, she's offensive, she's not very kind, she's manipulative, and they don't like that, and she it's just the whole situation of, okay, well you just walked in here and took over. I think that's probably what it is, but I am completely on your page. Like this isn't, this isn't appropriate. Um, it's one thing to, I mean, it's not even great to joke about it, but to definitely follow through with it is, uh, is not good. And I'm, I'm surprised that it even took Jim saying to Pam, like, Hey, call this off. That that was what did it for Pam even to like, I would have thought that Pam of of the people there that day would have would have put a stop to this. But thankfully, she is is persuaded and and does try to uh, to stop this from happening. But it does still happen.
1: Mm-hmm. He, even though Jim does try and call it off, the the fact that he tells Pam to hire mu- a magician just seconds after finding out how repulsive Nellie thinks they are. It just it upsets me. Like, mm-hmm. I think better these characters. Um, and it, it just sucks that they would make such poor decisions um and this whole Nellie finding magicians repulsive is, is it's weird in a vacuum but then the reason behind it makes sense the the relationship that she had with this man uh henry it was 10 years long they lived together she was in love with him and then he ran off so i i, I get the repulsion like if if this terrible experience with this one magician colors her opinion on all other magicians i get it And it's the first time we really see Nellie as a real human, too, uh, because she's not putting on an act for anyone. She's just being honest with Jim and Dwight, and she's revisiting painful memories, and she asks the two of them to not share it with anybody else. So I I really, I wouldn't say admire Nellie in this moment, but I I admire that she's being a person for the first real time and not just, like, putting on a show.
0: Which is another reason why it's so hurtful that they were doing this, because this is just evidence of the people in the office not imagining other people complexly Mm -hmm. and like okay just because you haven't seen that Nellie is a real person with real feelings doesn't mean that she's not and yeah it's funny to them that they were going to do this but it's not um you know she's a person with feelings just like you and and you wouldn't want. yeah anyway golden rule you know all of that but yes (laughs) So, because Pam has a hard time convincing the office to back off of this party, they turn on Pam a little bit. They decide that Pam will be the code name for Nellie, and so they start dissing Pam in front of everyone. And the real Pam does not like it. Uh, Oscar says to Oscar says in the party to Nellie Bertram, "You are a most welcome and friendly presence at our company. Pam, on the other hand, is the most unwelcome, entitled, unfriendly presence in our company." Angela says, "Nellie's terrific, but to be honest." Every day, I would imagine how happy I'd be if Pam died. And uh, this isn't better. It's just, it's bad.
1: Thankfully, Jim catches on to the the weird code name that they're using as Pam as a stand-in for Nellie. And he tries to convince everyone to lay off. He's still in code. He says, Nellie's past is mess up, messed up. And that contributes to the way that she is. Why she is the way that she is. And then the magician shows up. And Nellie is horrified as you would expect considering her past experience with magicians but then jim does what he can to ruin the magician's act and he steps in as a volunteer instead of Nellie. he reads out the card he was explicitly told not to read out he drops the cards everywhere then pam joins in and points uh uh, ruins the fake not trick and the magician gets pissed off and leaves (laughs) uh robert says why is jim treating the magician poorly (laughs) And I just love seeing Nellie's face as she sees Jim stand up for her. There's an understanding between them that says that Jim is doing this on her behalf and she appreciates it. And then Dwight even stands in, uh, steps in and kicks magician out and he says, OK, scram, wizard.
0: <laughs> but then this attempt by Jim and Pam to kind of cheer up Nellie works. And Robert, by the way, is still kind of sucking up to Nellie. He says, well, Nellie, I'm sorry if I'd known Jim and Pam would use this party as an excuse to abuse a magician. <laughs> Nellie interrupts. She said, well, I thought it was quite fun. In fact, I think they're brilliant employees in their own way. Don't you see what I see? Robert immediately turns. It's interesting. Yes, yes. No, I, I, I do see that. Great work, team. Great party. Uh, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> it's,
1: it's really weird to see Robert, who's normally, normally psychologically in charge of everyone around him like nothing phases him, suddenly in the situation where he'll do or say anything to get in Nellie's pants. Yep. Basically.
0: The other plot line, really, for this episode is more Aaron and Andy stuff. They are together-ish, but Aaron insists that they cannot kiss or do anything relationship-y until Andy has officially broken up with Jessica, which he has not done. So on the way back to Pennsylvania, Andy stops by with Aaron to Jessica's parents' cabin, in southern Pennsylvania, where Jessica is, is currently staying. And Aaron is going to help Andy break up with Jessica. She's rehearsing with him what they're going to say. And they arrive at the cabin, and it turns out that Jessica is there for a uh, friends or sisters or something bachelorette party. And there are a lot of people there. This is not the best time to do this, but it needs to be done.
1: Instead of trying to immediately pull Jessica aside, which would be the smart thing to do, they're sucked into the festivities, uh, they come inside, they hang out a bit, and it just makes everything so awful. The women are popping balloons with ex-boyfriends' name, names on them, including one of a boyfriend who was with his old girlfriend basically the entire time they were together. Sound familiar? Mm. Andy is called one of the good ones, and someone asks, where's her Andy? Where's my Andy? And he's asked to sing, and he obliges. Uh, It's literally worse than worst case. (laughs) And that's funny because when they were rehearsing in the car, Andy and Aaron, they were practicing like all the best case scenarios, which they should have known better. They're they're both just so naive on how this would have gone. And so when the time comes to break up with Jessica, he lies and he says he's gay instead. He says, you want honesty? Okay, super honesty time. I'm gay. First off, why didn't Andy take her to a truly private place? like? Outside. And then, second, watching Aaron as Andy just boldface lies to everyone about being gay rather than admitting that he's going to be with her, and you see her face fall, it sucks. I mean, yeah, it sucks for Andy to hurt Jessica, but he's leaving her, not leaving Aaron. So, who would he rather hurt in that situation? Right. So, I mean, all, Jessica says she didn't think they were going to get married or anything. Like, I don't know. Do you think that she was that she meant that or was she just trying to sort of dull the pain of the situation?
0: I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I think she was probably being honest, except that they've been dating a while.
1: Yeah. And Andy was at one point considering proposing. Yeah. So Uh, it would suck if, if he expected marriage to come from this and she didn't.
0: Yeah. Well, and so because this is such an awful time to break up with her, Aaron tells Andy that they should go. She's like, no, let's just do this later. You know, we can wait. Mm-hmm. This needs this needs to not happen. But Andy is insistent. He, he pulls Jessica aside, but it's not private. He just pulls her kind of into the next room, and somebody walks in, and then it becomes a big public event. And Jessica automatically assumes that he's leaving her for Aaron. And she says, you said she wasn't relationship material, and she wasn't as good as me, but it's her, isn't it? And that's when Andy lies and says, no, 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 I'm gay. So Andy has said this to Jessica, that she was not as good as Jessica, that Aaron was not good and that Aaron was not relationship material. And Aaron is hearing this. And ow. Andy apologizes later. He says, look, I had to say that I was dating her. But like, I, uh, it's it's all very bad. Andy lies. When they leave, I mean, Jessica's upset. But, you know, he's gay. What can you do? Right? So mm-hmm. they leave. They don't feel good about how that went. Aaron's not okay because she's hurt. Andy's not okay because he lied. So they turn back around. And Andy publicly, very publicly in front of everyone, tells Jessica that he left her for Aaron and that he's not gay. And everyone yells at him to leave, but it makes both him and Aaron feel better, and Aaron kisses him in the parking lot. (sighs) Like, good for telling the truth, but everything else about that was awful. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, I I'm glad that Andy realizes, uh, when they leave how upset Aaron is. The whole reason they did this was so that they could properly be boyfriend and girlfriend. And Aaron will barely give him a peck on the peck on the cheek when he when they first leave after lying to Jessica about this. Um and so Aaron falls asleep and, and Andy ends up turning around and going back. And I, I'm glad he decides to go back and do the right thing, even though the right thing is just making it worse than it needed to be. Right. And after the first super honesty time, he goes back for real super honesty time. They they do have that passionate kiss that Andy was hoping for. So it, it it's good in that sense. But, yeah, it, it just sucks that Jessica had to get so hurt in this situation because it's really, really awful. And I think that's it as far as that stuff goes, right? Yeah. While they are packing, um, helping Nelly pack and move stuff, or unpack and move stuff, we can see that Jim and Dwight are kind of buddying up a little bit. Uh, Pam calls and Jim answers. He says, uh, Pam asks, hey, what's up? He says, ah, nothing, just hauling some cube with Dwight. And Dwight in the background says, hauling cube. (laughs) So it's like they're they're buddy-buddy a little bit. They've come up with phrases or things to say while they're doing this. So, uh we we sort of posited in the last episode uh last day in Florida that maybe their relationship was going to be a little different going forward because of this experience that they had together where Jim basically prevented Dwight's life from being ruined and getting fired. Um so that seems to be shaping up a little nicely. I mean, it's not like they're best buddies all of a sudden, but that that is a nice relationship that we're seeing a little bit of in this episode. Mm. Okay, let's move on to some funny moments. Let's start with the cold open. Uh, I wanted to know, Katie, did you remember for sure if Stanley had a mustache or not?
0: <laughs> I knew. Yes, he had a mustache. Good. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what happens in this cold open, Stanley is out because he had a tonsillectomy and he's coming back today. So everyone's signing a card, making a joke about him getting a mustacheectomy instead. June says, that's not funny because Stanley doesn't have a mustache. And it makes everyone question everything. <laughs> does he have one or not? <laughs> and so Jim says no. Pam draws a couple of sketches with and without mustaches, and everybody takes a vote. Gabe is there. And when Stanley arrives, he's covering Stanley's face uh, to make a dramatic reveal. And yes, he does have a mustache. And Jim just, like, looks there, sits there questioning, like, well, what's real? <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody knows.
0: I love the the uncovering of, of stanley's face because stanley doesn't know why they're doing this and he's like yes i you know who <laughs> he's very confused but uh yeah he does have a mustache for the record it's it's a thin one but it's there aaron on uh on breaking up with jessica and he says on the road with my with my new girlfriend but first a small pit stop to break up with my current girlfriend who's at her parents cabin in pennsylvania and aaron says oh that must be nice and he says yeah it's a beautiful place great place to let her down easy aaron said oh no no no. i i meant that it must be nice to have parents and he says oh nice. yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> um jim says "Nellie, that reminds me do you want this chair in the bedroom because to be honest i don't think it's going to fit through the door and Dwight says, don't listen to Jim. Have you ever seen him play Tetris? Oh, I will think I'll just use this line horizontally. Oh, I had no idea what a gift this line is. <laughs> and I love that because something to know about me, I play a lot of Tetris. Like, I play it on my phone. They last, like the games of Tetris for me last like an hour plus. Oh. I play it on my Nintendo Switch. I, I, I play a lot of Tetris. And so that joke was hysterical to me. <laughs> I don't know what a gift this line is. <laughs>
0: Another great Dwight one, when they are moving Nellie, he says, I, I wonder if king-sized sheets are called presidential-sized in England. I really should have a tweeter account. <laughs> yes, you should. I would follow.
1: <laughs> a, a tweeter. So after Jim has tried to get Pam to change course on the party, and she tries to, everybody else in the party planning committee is having too much fun, and they think Pam is just trying to spoil it. Oscar says, we're in far too deep. We can't change courses at this point. Pam's like, what are you talking about? Yes, we can. <laughs> and Oscar says, what I mean to say is, we don't want to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another nice Aaron one on the drive. Uh, she gets really tired after, you know, Andy breaks up with Jessica the first time. And I think it's somewhat an excuse to get out of the conversation. But Aaron says, oh, I, I feel really tired, probably from seeing that turkey when we drove by the farm. Always does it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like tryptophan by proxy
0: by eyeball
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh when they're hanging out at the bachelorette party andy is snacking on some of the uh, the snacks they have there he asks aaron do you want a gummy penis she says no uh, i'll just have some gummy bears Andy says but these are delicious and aaron says but they're penises <laughs> like i have the choice between these two which one am i gonna go with the bears
0: she's so innocent i love her
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a bowl of blurred out Gummy snacks.
0: <laughs> Brightly colored blur. <laughs> also at the bachelorette party, uh, when, when Andy tells Jessica that he is gay, there's a guy there um, at the bachelorette party who is gay. And he says, I knew it. And Andy apparently has has had experiences with this guy in the past. He says, you did not, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Kenny was into Andy or just assuming things about Andy. But yeah, he knew it. <laughs>
1: Daryl says, oh, in the warehouse, we use code names for people we want to talk about. Andy was Jelly Roll. Mike was Dennis the Menace. Ryan was Douchebag. (laughs) And Ryan says, that's not a code name. That's an insult. And Oscar says, yeah, plus everyone would know who you're talking about. Oh, (laughs) that is so good. And uh, it's another rare Michael reference. I feel the need to point him out every time because we just don't get a whole lot of Michael references in these last two seasons now that he's gone.
0: One of the things at Nellie's party that made it so average uh, was that they hired a musician, and it was Creed. And we have not heard Creed, to my knowledge, play anything yet, even though uh, both in real life and in the show, uh, he, is a, he is supposed to be a musician. And Creed says, everybody get comfy now. This first song's over a half hour long. And he starts playing these, like, dear 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 He's, like, tooting his guitar. <laughs> And then they, uh, Creed is talking, and he says, best gig ever. They asked me to play only originals. I said, have you heard my originals? They're terrible. They said, even better. I said, I get it. I get it. It's an ironic party for Nelly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perceptive, surprisingly. <Very. laughs> uh, we, we have heard Creed played before, but it was in a deleted scene for Booze
0: Cruise. Right. That's right.
1: And we've heard him sing once before, ironically, an original by the real Creed Breton, Spinning Really with Love. Um, that was in a Christmas episode, I think, but th- this is the first time in an episode, I think, that we've actually heard Creed play. So yeah, Creed also leads a chant of, we hate Pam, uh, when they're, they're doing the code, code word.
0: And he may not know the, that it's a code. <laughs> I <don't Right>.
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you said this line earlier, but I always think that Robert's, uh, why is Jim cheating the magician poorly, uh, is a funny line. And also the... Uh, If I had known Jim and Pam would use this party as an excuse to abuse a magician. (laughs) (laughs) I just love his phrasing there. It's just so funny. And it's as an excuse to abuse a magician.
0: He's very pro-magician rights. (laughs) We get a Hank funny bit here. We don't see a lot of Hank recently. Pam, in an effort to save the party and not have it be a failure, uh, asks Hank, the security guard, to keep an eye out for a magician. But the magician has made it up. And Pam comes down and she says, uh, Hank, I, th- I thought it was really specific about you not letting up a magician. Hank says, yes, ma'am. I got my eyes open. And Jim says, well, it turns out he actually made it up there. Hank says, what? That- that's not right. Pam says, yeah, he-, he came and went. Hank says, wait a minute. You said it was a magician, right? <laughs> you don't think he could have used. <laughs> it couldn't have been. <laughs> and Pam's, okay, let's go. <laughs> okay. Rude. <laughs> Oh,
1: Hank <laughs> uh, last one for me. Uh, after Nelly has convinced Robert that it was a good party, and he says, "Great work, team, great party, Kevin speaks up and says, "You think this is a great party. This cake has vegetables in it, like a salad bar, Robert. because <laughs> remember they're eating carrot cake carrot cake. <laughs> I mean, for the record, I like carrot cake. It's kind of cinnamony. It's nice. Uh, but I mean, I could I could see Kevin's aversion, I suppose.
0: I'm like, I enjoy carrot cake, but I'm hesitant to call it a cake. Don't try to sneak healthy things in my dessert. If I want carrots, I'll ask for them. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay, what about our deleted scenes?
0: (laughs) So Jim and Dwight are carrying boxes up Nellie's stairs. Nellie is carrying nothing, by the way. And she instructs them not to put the boxes down yet. She wants to get to know her neighbors and the building first. As if she's just going to move right back out if she doesn't like them. She said it would be a shame to move everything in and then right back out again. So she knocks on the door of her next door neighbor and immediately asks, are you an abortionist? Uh, So the guys are holding these heavy boxes and she's inquiring her neighbors. There's a talking head right after that, where she says, you see all of this news from America about people firebombing abortionists. She says, go for it. She has no opinion on firebombing or on abortions. Just not in my building. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. uh, Fair enough, I guess. (laughs)
1: Uh, The party planning committee meeting is coming up with ideas, and Oscar suggests serving the carrot cake with orange juice. He says, my mouth is puckering just thinking about it. They say the party just doesn't seem mean enough, so Pam speaks up and says they should pretend they thought it was Nellie's birthday and get her a cake with a few too many candles on it, like 49. Oscar says that's brilliant, and they all laugh. And Angela, with her hands over her mouth, is, like, giggling and... Oscar says, "Since when are we a geisha?"
0: (laughs) It's like this high pitch, like, (laughs) like really weird. It's really
1: strange. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nellie steps away from unpacking for a moment because there's a man in Unit Five who was on the Sex Avengers registry, and she wants to check out his side of the story. Mm. Uh, No, nope. (laughs) Bad idea. Bad call.
1: Uh, Prepping for the party in the break room, Robert walks in and he asks, "How's it going?" Kevin says it's going to be a blast. He puts extra emphasis on the blast. Daryl turns to him and says, "Are you going to blow up the party?" <laughs> Robert says he hopes this will raise Nelly's spirits, and he also comments on how painfully cold it is in the break room. Oscar says it'll warm up when they start dancing. Robert says, "Oh, there'll be dancing. Do you have a stereo?" And Pam points as Creed walks in with his guitar, and Creed says, "This is a great venue." He says, "Have I missed sound check?"
0: No, my dear. Uh, Nellie tells a story to Jim and Dwight that involves her telling herself how good looking she is she says I mean I am simply stunning I am the best looking real life person that I have seen in about five years I mean I'm probably the most desirable non-celebrity and Jim has received this text from Pam requesting him to stall Nellie so he wants to quote make some memories he says I think British Idol is worse than American Idol thoughts Nellie says that she wouldn't know because she doesn't watch that cheesy reality stuff. More of a survivor fan, she says. Okay. Jim says, Well, I think cricket is stupid. It's a stupid version of baseball. Nellie says, Everything is a stupid version of something. A bike is a stupid car. A baby is a stupid adult. Come back to the office. I've got a list. Nellie's stupid. Would you mind giving me a piggyback ride on the way down? And Dwight says, a piggyback is a stupid version of a fireman's carry. And he throws Nellie over his shoulder like a fireman. And Jim says, i just desperately trying to stall her. He says, I think British food is gross. But it's too late. They're already heading down the stairs.
1: The last deleted scene, at the party, Meredith says, this is a crap party because it's in the break room. And then she realizes it was on purpose, and she noogies Angela. Uh, Oscar says, it's a catharsis party. And Ryan says that means revenge, which is a dish best served cold, unlike the show Revenge," which is hot, hot, hot. OK, Ryan. Nelly enters. she asks if this is all for her. Robert says it's well-deserved." And she points out the pizza in the corner, And Oscar says, "Well, it's from "Have a slice." Nadio Vitello." And it just seems like a real shame to not bring back pizza by Alfredo in I Alfredo's know. pizza cafe, but you had whatever. an opportunity. Like you had that. Maybe that's why they cut it was because they realized they wasted the opportunity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have a discussion topic? For this episode? I do.
1: So, uh, does Nellie's past and relationship woes excuse her from her current behavior? Because Jim seems to excuse her for a lot. I mean, I agree that the bad party was a bad idea, but I don't think that Nellie is innocent just because her former lover left her. So what are your if- thoughts on that?
0: Exactly. Uh, Just because something bad happened to you does not mean you get to be a bad person. Be nicer. But I think Jim, it was probably more of a a shake to him being like, oh, she has feelings. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Not Mm -hmm. that it was that particular instance that excused her, but more of a, she's a human who doesn't deserve this.
1: Mm -hmm. And I mean, something we can maybe speculate is the fact that Jim showing compassion to her and along with him, Pam and Dwight do as well. Um, it'll help Nellie to be a better person as well. Now that she has seen that people are more accepting of, of her and are willing to be kind to her if she is kind in return or a little bit more or less of rude, I guess is the word we could use to describe her. So yeah, I, I definitely think that she is not excused just because she had this past um, and that she's had problems, but I I like what you said. It, it makes her more human in Jim's eyes and That she's not deserving of something like this party that was meant to be vindictive over a certain or uh, over a particular person. So um, we'll see what happens with Nellie in the future and if anybody's opinions change. Yeah. Because we know that what's coming soon is there's got to be some sort of confrontation between Andy and Nellie now that Andy's on his way back. Yep. So we'll have to see what happens and who's on which side. And yeah, that's what we got to look forward to.
0: But until then, we have several voicemails from our unexpected week off. So let's, uh, let's listen to some of those.
1: Okay, first up is from a mystery caller, because there's a, a big office news item that happened over the past couple of weeks uh, that we're going to address. So here is this voicemail.
2: The year is 2021. NBC's own streaming service has filtered back The Office from Netflix. Now what do I do? Seriously, should I buy the DVDs, get it for streaming on iTunes? What's the best place to get the most office content? I don't know.
1: Okay, so that's the first voicemail. Uh, Yes, the big news item from the last couple of weeks is that in January 2021, so a year and a half from now, The office will be leaving Netflix. Like there've been rumors over the past few years. Like it's always been like one of those things. You got to petition Netflix to keep the office. They weren't going to get rid of it. But NBC has now purchased the streaming rights from Universal. And so it is going to be officially leaving Netflix and it's going to be used on NBC's own streaming platform. So you'll have to pay an additional fee or replace Netflix for NBC, however you want to approach that.
0: But I think you and I might have the same answer here. (laughs) To fix the problem. Should we say it on three? One, two, three. Get the DVDs.
1: Not not completely synced, but uh, yeah. we have the same answer. So the, the person on the voicemail did ask DVDs or get it for streaming on iTunes, what's the best place to get the most office content? And the most office content you are going to get from the DVDs, because yeah. from the DVDs, you're going to get the episodes, including some of the producer's cut episodes, which are really nice and extended and have the deleted scenes inserted. Plus, you get all the deleted scenes. You get the commentaries for the first six or seven seasons, however long they lasted. You get additional content that is on those DVDs. So if, you're, if your goal right now is to get the most, then get the DVDs. Of course, that means you have to have a DVD player.
0: Which, if you're listening to this podcast, I think that is your goal.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, you, you could li- if you haven't had the DVDs this whole time, you could get the DVDs and you could listen back to all the deleted scenes and commentaries and stuff we've talked about and then listen to our discussion over them again. So you're giving us re-listen value. Absolutely. (laughs) But that said, I do have them on iTunes as well. If you hopefully between now and twenty one or twenty twenty one, there will be discounts on iTunes again. I actually just bought it on iTunes a few weeks ago when it was discounted to like twenty-five or thirty bucks for the whole series. So keep an eye on sales prices for both the DVDs on Amazon because I purchased those for like thirty bucks as well. Yeah, same. And keep an eye on iTunes because sometimes those get discounted. So your goal between now and a year and a half from now should be to get the best price you can on the DVDs and on the the digital, whichever you prefer, but we're definitely biased towards the DVDs.
0: Yeah, that's what we use to make this podcast. Uh, and they've been yeah. a really good source.
1: Next uh, voicemail is from Maria in California.
0: Hi,
2: y'all. Maria from California over here. Love the question about Dwight being on the spectrum. I am a teacher, and I work with several students on the spectrum, and I do not think Dwight is, and that's because we know so many details about his upbringing and how he was raised that gives us some evidence of who he is as an adult. Um, But awesome question. I really want to talk about Kathy, and you're right. Like, she just disappears, kind of. Personal opinion, do you think it's because – she was embarrassed and she didn't want to go back do you think it's like scranton saying logistically we don't need you anymore so transfer you down here do you think jim said something to a higher up of like whoa this was totally uncomfortable um what do you think and also do you think that jim told pam and what if you could imagine her response, what do you think that Pam's response was? Just some interesting questions for you. All right. Thanks so much, y'all. Bye.
1: Okay. It's worth pointing out that Maria also left another voicemail a few days later. That was three minutes long wrestling with the the first part of this voicemail, which was whether Dwight was on the spectrum or not, because it's a difficult question to acknowledge. And we're not going to play that. and We're not going to talk about it anymore for fear of upsetting people and saying the wrong things because we aren't professionals on the matter. Uh, but it is just an interesting question to consider, and so let's let's address the main question from Maria's voicemail here, which is what happened to Kathy. We talked about in the last episode that Kathy just sort of disappears. It looked like she was going to stay in Florida, so let's speculate what caused her to stay in Florida. Was she embarrassed? Did Granton basically say, "Yeah, we don't need you anymore" because we originally hired you to replace Pam while she was out for maternity leave? Uh, so stay down there. Do you think Jim talked to a higher up? And then lastly, did Jim? tell Pam about what happened and if so what was her response. And before I hand it over to Katie, I just want to point out we already know what Pam's response was because of a deleted scene in that episode when Pam and Jim talked on the phone while Kathy was in his hotel room. And Pam actually in the situation thought it was really funny because she was able to figure it out uh, that Kathy was in there being desperate and Jim wasn't going to do anything and she just thought it was she she said it was really cute when he gets flustered or whatever. Uh, So we know that part. But the other part, what do you think, Katie?
0: I don't know if she was embarrassed or if she just moved on. Because even after the hotel room incident, we saw her the next day basically fine and still kind of trying to be buddy-buddy with Jim and maybe even flirt with him. So I don't know if she was embarrassed or if she just, I don't know, someone else caught her eye. I I think she stayed in Florida. Although, hmm. If if the Sabre store got shut down, why would she stay there? You know? Yeah. I don't think Jim said anything to a higher up because eh, I just don't. But I do think that Jim was very open with Pam about the whole situation.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if she stayed in Florida to work with Sabre in some capacity, but you're right, the store did get shut down, and that's what she was sort of staying to help with. So maybe she was just a casualty of this getting shut down, and she is now looking for employment elsewhere.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Uh, But in any case, I, I do think it would have been really awkward if she had come back to Scranton after <laughs> her behavior in Florida. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but... I do think she wanted to stay as far away from Scranton as possible, especially since Jim did not relent and is going back to his wife and kids. And so she did not want to be in that scenario. Our next voicemail is from Logan from Illinois. Here it is.
2: Hey, Jen, Katie. It's uh, Logan from Illinois again. I was just wondering. Um, so so this is my first time finishing th- the, through the show, the entire thing. And um, I just did. And I would like to know um, how you guys cope with the end of a TV show, Um, having a little trouble with the end. I like the characters, but uh, without spoiling anything, could you please help me out? Thanks. Uh, Bye.
1: Okay, so Logan has just finished watching through the series for the first time, and he's having trouble coping with the ending. I think that's awesome. Uh, The best solution, Logan. Is to just start on episode one of season <laughs> one and hit play again, and just keep watching. Or if you want, if you're if you're feeling uh, invested in a particular season, or if you want to revisit something, you could always go back to like season three or season five. I like to start in there sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you could always just restart the series, uh, watch it casually in the background. Or do you maybe have any other ideas, or maybe even some TV show suggestions that he might like, Kitty?
0: Yes to both. An Office-related question, go watch content you haven't seen. Go watch interviews, go watch uh, behind the scenes, go watch deleted scenes, go watch commentaries on the DVDs. Uh, All of these are good resources to just fill up your heart with more of The Office and get to know the characters and the actors a little bit more. Basically, anytime I have a chance to listen to Steve Carell talk, I do take that chance. So (laughs) go listen to some interviews about The Office and stuff like that. We have tooted the the uh, praises. That's not the phrase, but I think you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> we have tooted the praises, <laughs> guys. You.
0: It's yeah. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stick with that. We have done that for uh, The Good Place, yes. which, again, it is a, sh- that's a short-lived show, unfortunately. I think they're approaching their final season. Is
1: that yeah, right? they're about to start season four this uh, this fall.
0: Which will be their last, is the final but that's one. an incredible show. Uh, Mike mm-hmm. Shore, who, of course, is one of the writers for The Office, that's his show. And you see a lot of, of the same uh, actors between, I think, four shows between The Office, Parks and Rec, which is another very personal favorite of mine that I love very much. Mm-hmm. the good place and brooklyn Nine Nine. the
2: mm-hmm. four
0: of these shows i think mike sure is involved in all four and yes. you see in in each of the four shows i mean there's huge overlap in the amount of actors like each one of them it, it seems like is in at least one other show of the mm-hmm. four so go watch those love them all seen them all pretty much uh yeah that's my suggestion
1: yeah, I'll, I'll echo all those recommendations and I'll add on Superstore, which yes, is created Superstore. by Justin Spitzer. And yeah. it's basically The Office, except in a Walmart. Yep. It's really good. Um, and then I would also add on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, just because it stars Ellie Kemper, who's Aaron in this show. And I think it's really great. It's yeah. on Netflix. so
0: A bit of a different uh, feel, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's It's campy and funny and yeah.
1: And plus, uh, Steve Carell has that new space workplace comedy coming next year to Netflix, I think. So Yes, yeah. Space right. Force or something like that. Yeah. So you have that to look forward to. But anyways, those are, those are all of our recommendations. But really, we know that Office fans tend to just hit play again. And yeah. that's okay. <laughs> uh, last voicemail. Uh, I don't know the name. It's, it's sort of hard to pick out from the voicemail. So I'm just going to let it play and let him introduce himself. But this person is from Melbourne, Australia.
2: Hi guys, it's Haseeb from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm just calling to say that I think figured out why Creed needs the third chair in the surplus. I'm pretty sure it's for his place in Toronto and he's just trying to furnish it for free. Anyways, just calling to say that. Um love the podcast, love what you're doing. It's great to kill time on my long drives. Thanks guys. Bye.
1: Okay, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, he posits that Creed needed the third chair. Remember from uh what's that episode calls it just called a new chair no it's called chair model chair model uh chair model it's a it's uh when creed says i need pam's chair because then i'll have two chairs and then i only need one to go uh so he says that he needs a third chair to furnish this place in toronto and this is a deep cut i had to look it up to be honest uh from a deleted scene from the coup back in season two um hold on let me double check that and make sure i'm not giving false information. The coup is season three. Three, Okay, season three. Creed in a deleted scene says four nights a week, I sleep under my desk, and then three nights, I stay at my place in Toronto. They don't know about this job up there. It's a welfare state. Beautiful countries, both of them. So, nice deep cut. I wish I could understand your name, uh, but thanks for the voicemail anyways. I, I appreciate that thought on Creed.
0: Yeah. And that brings us to the end, officially, of our 92nd episode of American Workplace you can contact us at facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. If you'd like to head over to Apple Podcasts, that's where you can rate review and subscribe to us. If you'd like to email feedback and ideas, you can do so at workplacepod at gmail.com.
1: And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail to be featured and heard on the show, uh, dial nine three pretz day. That is nine three seven seven three eight nine three two nine. We'd love to hear questions. We'd love to hear comments. Uh, Share some of your favorite funny moments or favorite other moments. We'd just love to hear from you. Um, remember to make it under a minute long if you want to be heard, because we just want to try and be time efficient, especially when we have these long hour and a half long episodes anyways. Uh, so we, we'd love to hear from you uh, and try and be really clear with your name, because we want to be able to thank you by name on the show.
0: You can find me on Twitter, best place. That's at KTLadies623. Also at Facebook.com slash katie.white.
1: The best place for me is also on Twitter. That is chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. There's also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at the Podcast.com. And show notes and all contact information can be found at our website, workplacepodcast.com.
0: Thank you to Maria, our newest Patreon supporter. I wonder if that is Maria from California. Might be the same one. But thank you so much for your support and to all of our Patreons.
1: If you want a shout out and more of An American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it at patreon.com slash workplace pod.
0: And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 92 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 93 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season eight, Angry Andy and Fundraiser. Bye. Bye. She is very domineering. She takes what she wants, and
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no, Katie, she just dropped out this time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. That was funny.
0: <laughs> and then Aaron, when she does go with Andy, uh, she, you know, they Sorry, I just had a stroke. Okay, and Nelly, I feel like is finally.
1: I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I didn't expect it to play for you. Like, ah. <laughs> oh, oh
0: pequot that's, that's really, thank you. That's really funny. <laughs> I heard the voice of God <laughs> tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, wow one of the things at Nellie's party that was supposed to make it so average was that they hired a magician. Not a magician. Oh my gosh, Katie, take a nap. <laughs> and if you'd like to leave some email feedback or ideas, you can do so at WorkplacePod. pod. I'm so sorry, Chip. <laughs> Talking's hard, it's Yeah, okay. I'm so tired. <laughs> okay.